trenches. That's not so hot. I guess uh, this guy's gonna die. It's on top of the car. It's on top of the car. <laughs> what do you want in a sandwich? Ah, I want guff. Welcome to AV Corp 69. No talking, it's about to start. Hello and welcome to another episode of AV Club 69. It's the same two people that are always here. It's me, Mark, and my esteemed colleague, Rob. Hello, everybody. How's it going? I hope everyone's had a lovely week. And uh, looking forward to see what shenanigans we are going to uh, find out with this movie. Because obviously, it's oh, this time I indeed. haven't seen the movie... And uh, I'm looking forward to to unraveling the mystery that is this film. Armed with your pack of cards there to sort of sort your way through the, the nonsense that befalls you. Absolutely. I've got my AV Club cards, which I can play at any time. We've evolved the show to, to do that. So I've got a custard card that figures a plot, for example. We've got a hook, line and sinker, which, which brings the tagline. And we've got, we can play minute 69 of the movie yeah. we played the audio of that and sometimes it tells us a lot sometimes it tells us absolutely nothing yeah well that's the gamble isn't it sometimes it's just instrumental music <laughs> so you know <laughs> do what you will with that information <laughs> yeah. so you know it, it's like well, it's like poker isn't it you just play your cards right and you might win all right. Well, Rob, uh, thank you for that lovely introduction. I'm going to have to ask you to come on down, uh, like it's <laughs> play your cards right. <laughs> come on down and listen to what I have to say. Cue the film. So we've got an opening scene as sombre orchestral music plays. We hear a voice over a radio and then we have quick cut shots of the US flag. And there are men handling the flag, wielding it even, some might say. Then we hear more voices, but voices of desperation back over the radio. There's a back and a forth, a back and a forth, and then bang, we have the movie title. We cut to a man. I won't say who he is just yet, but he is he's getting ready. He looks like he's somewhat suiting up in formal attire, let's say. And then we've got a bit more radio chatter happening as this is going on. Ooh. Now this, uh, uh, this orchestral music continues to build. Then we have a narration from our man. He's giving a sort of a speech. And then we sort of cut back and forth between the men that we saw earlier with the flag. And there's a bit more... I guess I could say, carrying out duties. Some things are happening. Uh, and then our man is now carrying flowers in the heavy rain. And then he stops. He stops at something. I won't say what it is just yet. We'll see if you can guess it in a minute. So he stops at something. And then he speaks. He speaks of something that he can only do now. Something that he couldn't do before. Mmm, mysterious. Mm, very mysterious, yes. And then... We'll leave it there. That's oh. our little opening scene. What do you think is happening there, any chance? And maybe what did the guy stop at? Any yeah, ideas? well, so I'm going to... So he's um, he's dressed in formal attire. He's got the flag. So I'm assuming he stopped off at a, um, a funeral or gravestone of some sort. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Well, I can tell you that that is correct. Yes. You did stop at a gravestone. Yes, yeah. Good start. So someone, so maybe something, so we, hmm, so either a long lost friend, a, you know, like a, a somebody who's in the army or something like that. You say he's doing something he couldn't do before. Yes, he could only do this now and he couldn't do it before. Oh. But what do you think the before might be, I guess? You know, mm. like you're sort of on the right track with mm. the the gravestone and a and a person, but yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe he's confessing something he couldn't do before because the guy was alive and he's done something bad or the guy died because of him, maybe, or something like that, in, in action or something. You, uh... You got some good thoughts, kid. Ah, that's good. It's better than the dark thoughts I normally have. <laughs> better than the dark thoughts, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, cool. Well, would you want to play a card in this early stage? Yeah, well, let's play a custard card. Let's just stick in this plot. Let's let's play the custard card. Okay, so we then move on from said scene at the start there. Rain, flowers gravestone it's all pretty sad but then it really kicks up a notch as we cut to nighttime and we are at some sort of depot or depot as the americans say and we have intense fast paced orchestral music now playing and it's just like a lot of frantic action between a group of men some might even say a team of men uh, and they are moving in on the depot as our man from the beginning that we saw he arrives in a car and he approaches he approaches something. What do you think he approaches? Hmm. So the man arrives like he approaches well, he's approaching the depot. Yes, he's approaching just the gate at the depot, basically. So there's security there, is there? It's security. There is security, sir. That's right. But our guy, he uh he gets the all clear and he heads in. But meanwhile, we cut back to the team. What do you think that this team of men are doing? It's something to do with, like, a weapons depot. It is a weapons depot. I see. So they're, yeah, so they're um, loading stuff up onto, to uh, loading stuff up to ready to go somewhere. Is that right? Yes, that is right. They're not going anywhere just at this point, but they are, they are trying to take the compound, take the depot, is what they're doing at the moment. That's what's happening. What do you think they might be there for, though? What what could they possibly want? Ooh. They they want to um, take the weapons somewhere they're not supposed to, maybe. That's correct. And it's not bazookas. Oh, no, you shattered my <laughs> dreams already. I know, I thought I'd just clear that up now. But then we sort of quickly cut away from that for a sec and then we see them enter a room where they're going to acquire said thing. But then something happens. Some, something happens. Something goes wrong with the thing they're trying to get. One of the things, it sort of breaks open and then they all sort of freak out and scarper. Oh. Is it a chemical weapon of some kind? Oh, it could be. It could be. So if it's open up, it's like, you know... It- they're like afraid it's gonna go, like it's gonna go off or something. So they run for cover or something. They do run for cover, but unfortunately, one of the team gets left behind. Oh no! And, uh, someone's dying already. Doesn't go well. Doesn't go well for him. <laughs> doesn't go well for him, my friend. <laughs> so, so yeah. So you're correct. So there is there is something that is chemical that's happening. That is correct. Sir. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah. So we've got our our team. They've gone into this place. They've commandeered this thing. 
But what for? What does it all mean, Rob? Why? Oh, is someone going rogue here? Someone is going rogue. Oy. They have become rogue. <laughs> <laughs> not the one, not the X-Man, not the X-Lady. Oh, the no, X-Man. no. Oh, God. She was great in the cartoon, but in the movies, she was made mm. to look like a pathetic yeah. loser. So that yeah, was a real a bit shame. Sad. <laughs> wasn't it? A bit sad. It was, Yeah, what a waste. I hope for the new Max Men films will will rectify that. Oh, well. Well, <laughs> well, let's see what happens with the Marvel Fox takeover thing and something will come out of it eventually. Right. But we digress. <laughs> so we've seen what's happened there and we sort of leave there. And then we quick cut away to new location. Any ideas, any guess at where this location might be, sir? Is it a, someone on a beach or or some someone relaxing somewhere and he gets a call and saying, you got to get it quick, something's gone drastically wrong. <laughs> they got it, Jimmy. They got the secret sauce. <laughs> <laughs> no, not not quite on a beach. Something probably more, I don't know, more on the other end of that. Something that isn't probably so relaxing. Something that's a bit more sterile, I'd say. Oh, is it in a lab or something like that? It is a lab. It is a lab. You are correct, sir. We're basically now getting introduced to what I would say will be one of our main characters. There will be another one. Well, I, I mean, I guess I have to give you that now anyway, because I'm going to have to just frame this one as main character one. Oh, saucy name. Yeah. So they're in this lab and they're just, just chit-chatting with their, their colleague. They're just having a mess around. For some bizarre reason, they've kind of got like this sort of rube, Goldberg contraption machine. What's that? Well, it's like a, the kind of mousetrap game, you know, where it's like hit one thing, hits another thing, that kind of, right, you know, little okay. ball rolls. For some reason, they've got one of those on their desks. So right. Clearly, they've spent the budget in uh, the wrong the wrong places. <laughs> and so they've, they're messing around with that. But then, all of a sudden, something happens, Rob. Ooh, did, did they get a phone call? Oh, it's, it's louder than a phone call. It's bigger than a phone oh, call. Oh, the alarm goes off. That's not the Ghostbusters alarm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Who you gonna call? We got one! <laughs> That's pretty much it. You're correct, though. Yeah, a klaxon, I believe it's called. Oh. Suddenly goes off, and our team, or this, you know, our main character and his colleagues spring into action, and then they've, they've intercepted something. They've intercepted... What do you think they might have intercepted? They found something. Oh, they found something. They've intercepted... Well, someone's found the thing that that killed that other guy earlier, maybe. Yes, they've found a package containing said thing. And so they've got it in a kind of airlock kind of thing. Right, yes. So they've got it in there. Wow. And what I can tell you is it was intercepted on its way to a Bosnian refugee camp, Rob. Oh, my God. I know. Bizarre. I don't know why the Bosnians are involved. (laughs) Wow. Now, this package, yeah, it's in a protective room. And our main character, he goes to to head in. What sort of, what what images have you got in your mind, though? I mean, he's going to obviously not, he's not going to go in in his suit and tie. No, he's going to full on um, Back to the Future hazmat suit. uh, You know, I'm from a different planet. That kind of thing. (laughs) That's exactly right, my friend. <laughs> yes. So he's got one of those kind of Doctor Evil style, yeah, where it's kind yeah. of like not realistic, right? It's freaking freezing in here, Mister Bigglesworth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So he's got one of these kind of yeah, really pointless looking, but I guess looks good for the camera kind of hazmat suit things. And um, they head inside, him and a colleague, and they go to inspect said package. And what do they find, Rob? What do they find in this box? Oh, what a, a note. 
Oh, it's it's not a note. It's a porno mag. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason. Well, chemical weapons and porn go right yeah. hand in hand. Oh, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe keep them in separate hands. It's going to get <laughs> yeah. ugly if you put them in the same hand. Oh, my God. But then his colleague pulls out a gas mask from the box. And he also pulls out a doll, a baby doll, like a oh. child's doll. <gasps> is that how they're going to deliver the chemical weapon? Is it one of those pull-the-string things? That's pretty much it, yes. Rob. That's, ex- <laughs> that's exactly what happens. So our colleague of his is just messing around. You know, he's just joking around. Our main character's like, knock it off, guys. And then all of a sudden, he like lifts the arm. Gas spews out. And then basically panic and shoes. So what do you think is happening now? So we've got gas going off. They're all panicking. It's all getting heightened. So, but they're, they're the people handle this that are in the, the full suits, right? So they should be they protected. Are. But if they're panicking, then something's on drastically wrong. That's a good point. Why would you be panicking if you know it's fine, right? Yeah, you've got a suit on. You're in a you're in a safe room. Let's well, let's just flip the script, Mark. I do like to do that early on. <laughs> we sure do. Okay, let's go for it, guys. So I'm playing with flip the script, which reveals dialogue from. Any part in the movie, probably later on, whichever uh, Mark chooses, just so the listener knows what the hell's going on. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm going to play that and hopefully reveal some, some clue. It might not. Who knows? Let's flip the script. It kind of relates to what's happening now. So I'm going to flip this script, but only slightly forward in time, and it will reveal some things for you. Okay. Um, so we've got a character who's called... Good speed. (laughs) (laughs) For God's sake. I've got some bad news and some really bad news. The bad news is the gas is corrosive. It's eating our suits. Oh my God. What's the really bad news? Enough C4 explosive to blow through the chamber and enough poison gas to kill everybody in the building. We cut to one of the colleagues. He's like, the acid's eating. It's eating my fucking suit. (laughs) Good speed. Chill, Marvin. (laughs) Marvin. And then... There's a failure of the safety system. Cut in, Dr. Loner. Something's blocking the pipes, Bill. When in, when in Christ's name are they going to give us a new building? Probably now is not the time to be discussing uh, budgets. <laughs> and then he's like, get the atrophine. Is the word, get the atrophine. You die, we all die, says Dr. Ling. Inject yourself, then diffuse it. Goodspeed continues to inspect the device. God damn it, Bill, take the antidote. Wow. So hopefully that gave you a little insight into some things there. Yes, yes. Uh, I got a feeling. I got a feeling I know this movie. (laughs) Oh, have you? Oh, Uh, interesting. Yes. Uh, Anyway, so good speed. Um, Okay, so he's, he's not panicking. I mean, he's... He's very, he's just like, for God's sake. And there's an antidote, so stop him melting his face off, basically. Yes, um, but now you understand why there is panic, because the the thing, it is melting the suits. The suits are rendered useless. Oh, bloody hell. Well, so, yeah, you would panic, wouldn't you? you think you're all safe and that, and then bam. So, um, but there's, are they sort of like, is it causing them physical harm straight away then? Well, that's the thing. If it gets through the suit, then there's no, there's no stopping it essentially. So that's that's the uh, that's why there's so much haste. And as you had there, there is something called the atrophine, which is the antidote. And they have to they have to administer it in order to yeah render the uh, the other thing useless, the the gas. So 
Yeah, because atro- isn't it that's something to do with atrophy where your muscles have not been used for a while and they don't work, right? So maybe it's something to do with maybe that's what the, the chemical weapon does to you. Potentially. Of course, though, you know, being one of our main characters, everything works out just fine, obviously. <laughs> There's a like sprinkler system that is that's when old Bill was going on about pipes there. Then everything kind of like comes together just in time and they make it wow. out. Godspeed, good speed. <laughs> exactly right. What a name. <laughs> good speed. Always fast. Let's play another Costa Guard and thicken this plot. Okay, all right. Let's introduce some more characters into this story. Cut to our main character. He's now just at home, chilling to his Beatles record that um, they touched on earlier that he got delivered at his office. Kind of a random throwaway thing. <laughs> but anyway, he's at home listening to that. And then he gets some news from his girlfriend that comes in. We meet his girlfriend, Carla. She then asks him how his day was, and he sort of nonchalantly shrugs this crazy episode off because he's just too cool for school. And then <laughs> we quickly move away from that, and then we cut to a city. Now, do you want to guess what city this is? You might know. I don't know if you know. <laughs> uh, we talking like Los Angeles kind of thing? It's not Los Angeles, but it is on that side of the country. Oh, well, it's got to be San Francisco. That's right. We're in San Francisco, son. And then we meet a group of people, um, and they are now taking a tour of a famous attraction, which I don't know if you want to oh, guess. But it's, either, well, it's either the Golden Gate Bridge or it's Alcatraz. It is Alcatraz, my friend. Ooh. Is this sounding familiar? <laughs> yeah, this is sounding familiar, which is... Yeah, this is a first for us. Uh, I feel like, yeah, I feel like I know where this is going, but I like I like the journey. Let's do it. Okay, all right, let's go. Okay, we're in San Fran at Alcatraz, and then we are uh, walking with some people that are, you know, taking this tour, when all of a sudden, intense action music builds, and then we see the man. We see the man from the beginning. He's here now, but he's not alone. And then we sort of quick cut into a montage of him and his men, and he's sort of directing them. And then we see something incoming. What do you think we see incoming? Um, helicopter? That's right, Rob. <laughs> we see some hawks coming oh, in. Oh, here we go. We're in the cavalry. <laughs> so now we've got our character from the start there. He's obviously here now at the Alcatraz. All the things we know about him so far aren't very savoury are they it's very unsavoury this character mm. so he is obviously going to be our antagonist what do you think he's doing there I take it he's going to set up this as his base of operations and he's those people on a tour they're in the wrong place at the wrong time I'm, I'm thinking well, if they're sending the helicopters in are they sending more guys in to take over and hold these people hostage that is correct, sir. They're going to be holding them hostage. Oh, right. Took the wrong time to take this tour, you know. They should have booked it a week earlier. They've always been saying, oh, we should get around to doing that someday, hun. But today <laughs> was the wrong day. They're like, oh, is this part of some sort of theatre group? This is so realistic. And they're like, get yeah, in jail, but- goddammit. Yeah, that's it. Like, wow. This is, well, talk about method acting. <laughs> hey, you look at that guy off that movie, that guy, the, the, you know, the Navy guy. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Get in the cage, goddammit. Yeah. Hey, whoa, easy there, Captain Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you're right. They do become hostages. We cut away from that and we cut to a government building. Any idea of what government building this might be? Uh, well, they go, I mean, FBI? 
It's not the FBI. It's something. It's something that is of a certain shape. <laughs> a certain shape. Yes, Rob. A certain shape. You know your shape. Oh, the Pentagon. That's right. That's right, baby. It's the Pentagon, the seat of all awesome. We cut to the Pentagon where we see now, you know, a group of pretty high up dudes just sort of, you know, sitting around. Yeah, sitting around the table and they're like, get me the president. (laughs) They say that. Well, they pretty much do at some point. Yeah, so you are correct. Do they say like, oh, this is the most heavily defended place on earth, Gad? There is a lot of that. There is a lot of uh, assertion from either side. Macho, macho, you know, cocks cocks out and, you know. That's it. You know, all that sort of thing. And so they're sitting around a table and they then receive a call. And who do you think this call might be from? Well... Is it? Well, it's it's got to be someone telling them that uh, Alcatraz has, you know, something's happened there. I mean, it's maybe, I don't know. Or maybe they've just been told that someone's stolen that, stolen some weapons from the depot or something. You are correct. There is obviously of said event. And so what they do, though, is they get a call from our antagonist. So he's basically telling them, you know, what he is doing, why he's doing it. Any idea of why he might be doing this yet? Oh, so is this the same guy that was at the graveyard? That is correct. It's ah. the same guy that was at the grave. Right, so he's saying, um, he's basically saying, you bastards, you, you, um, you don't, you know, you killed my friend and I'm going to make you pay. Pretty much laying down some law like that, but we'll, we'll get into the nitty gritty a little later on. Okay. Let's do a mise-en-scene multiplier, so I get to choose to reveal the style or the film or time of period. So let's go for the uh, the style of the film. Okay, so style of the film, it's a full-on action, sort of American superiority kind of movie. Right. It's essentially like an American military film, essentially. Oh, okay, yeah. So, yes. yeah, so that's uh, kind of the style. It's, yeah. This is a Michael Bay type film. It is a Michael Bay type film, yeah. Right, okay. Oh, I see. So, yeah. Uh, yes. yes. So, okay, that just okay. very over the top, a lot of US flags, you know, really hammering it home that it's the greatest goddamn place in the universe. <laughs> yeah. America. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that will probably, you know, lay now out the groundwork in your mind for mm. what to expect. I'm ex- fully expecting lots of explosions. And- of course. Of course. Let's let's stick in this plot. Let's put another custard card down. So we have a character that we meet later on. We have obviously a few main guys here. So we meet a character called Womack. He is a FBI agent, you see. And he has an issue with another character that we'll meet later on, known as Mason. And so this Womack and Mason, they've got a very weird, you know, tenuous relationship. The character of Mason he has been held against his own will, essentially, by Womack, by the American government, because he's dangerous, this Mason guy. He has secrets, Rob. He has secrets about the US that could put oh. it at risk. So he's been held, basically, his whole life without trial um, because he holds the truth, Rob, of not only the landings at Roswell, but also the JFK assassination. <laughs> He's in the know, this wow, guy. Wow, I mean, bloody hell. Exactly. And the head of the FBI back in the day, old J. Edgar Hoover, 
he had dirt on everyone, you see, and he used to use a lot of microfilm, it turns out. And he had dirt on everyone, even even the UK Prime Minister, you know, God forbid. Oh, maybe. who hasn't? Exactly. And so our character of Mason, he was working a certain job in a certain level uh, where he was able to, you know, obtain these microfilms and hence why he, you know, became a threat to the US. Right, okay. So what, he got put in prison, did he? He did get put in prison. Right, I thought okay. I'd give you that little bit of info there. So we've got Mason and Womack, two guys who loved to butt heads. Right, okay, so there's a lot of posturing going on here and, you know, yeah, so it's what they need him. Yeah. And they are, that guy Womack's like, hates the fact that this Mason guy is going to be important and, and obviously Mason knows it, so he's going to he's going to make uh, Womack sweat. Yeah. So he is essentially our second main character, Mason. We've got our first main character and our second there. Do you think they're going to obviously have to interact at some point? Any thoughts of what might happen there? So Goodspeed knows about chemical weapons and mm. I'm assuming the Mason guy, he must be some sort of secret agent or he's 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 like used to being in the forces somehow. So he's, he's obtained this information and the other guy Goodspeed He's just a guy that works in the lab, so I'm assuming mm. there's going to be a bit of a like a a, a team up where one guy's okay. like, "Hey, man, I don't know how to do all this stuff," and the other guy, "Look, <laughs> for God's sake, you know." And he's he's the action guy. Okay. Well, nice I'm going to play a hook, line, and sinker. Let's reveal the tagline of this movie. Okay. All right. Let's go for the tagline. Now, I found kind of two taglines actually for this one, which is sort of interesting. Mm. Um. So uh, maybe we'll go, well, we'll go with both, but let's go with one. So the first one that I found was cocks locked and ready to rock. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lots of cocks. Yes, in more ways than one, you know, cocking of guns, a lot of cock fighting. Macho, macho man. <laughs> yeah, a proper American superiority kind of. It's uh, small man syndrome, well, small penis syndrome probably. Mm, yes, of course. I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> so the second title is Only One Man Has Ever Broken Out. Now five million lives depend on two men breaking in. Oh, I see. Right, yeah. okay. So, so Mason's the guy that's, oh, I see. So he's been there. He knows... Oh, he, he knows Alcatraz. And okay, all oh, right. So, okay. So I know the name of this movie, Mark. I know the do name you? of this movie. <laughs> I do. Oh my god! This is an AV Club sixty nine first, where I'd know the goddamn movie. This is a great movie. It is. Well, would you care to enlighten us? What is the title of this movie, Rob? The movie is The Rock. Ding 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 ding! Oh, Sound the oh. klaxon. <laughs> just like the the man of muscle himself it's the rock that's correct sir yes so well there you go it had to happen at some point but i also found it kind of funny because you know um just going off topic or onto something you sent me the other day and i was like damn it you sent me a clip from this the other day and i was oh. like my god he is either probably just seen it or yes already knows this movie so <laughs> excellent well God. it's got some great one-liners in this film i mean it has oh it has. fantastic i mean yeah this is this <laughs> this movie <laughs> so this is from the it's the 90s right this is in the yes mid, it is from the 90s and 90s. it is exactly michael bay as the director oh it is oh god that guy I tell you well i mean on this occasion it prizes enough i think enough in this movie to to provide entertainment. I mean, it's, you know, the action in it, especially at the time, it was 
it was mm. kind of like fitting at the time with all the crazy stuff and and obviously Nicolas yeah. Cage is in this movie as well. He is. That's correct. Nicholas Cage. I thought. I thought we'll bring it back to him. <laughs> so he's our agent. He's our or not agent. Well, I guess he is an agent. FBI agent. He's our agent. Goodspeed. Stanley. I think Stanley Goodspeed. Yeah, that's Stanley. Yeah, Stanley. Stanley. <laughs> oh, that's right. And then, okay. So, well, while we're on that, then, as you will know, that our other main character is Rob. Who is he? Sean Connery. That's correct, Sean Connery. So yeah, he was. I mean, looking still in his prime at this time as well. Yeah, he was, you know, very um, agile in this film. He must be in his sixties in this film, don't you think? Oh, he must be. Yeah, yeah, must but be. he's looking good. Yeah, and he's still alive now, isn't he? Because I, I was thinking this the other day. I was like, you know, I haven't really checked in for a while. I haven't checked in to see how he's doing. <laughs> I think you should, mate. Don't neglect him. He's, uh, you know, he already get the more. Those phone calls become very important. Yeah, they do. They do. I mean, no, he's still going. You know. I think. I'm pretty sure. He's, I hope uh, so. Yeah. I mean, he's. I think he's probably lost the plot completely now. I mean, um, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's still going. But this is this is definitely a film that I remember, especially when I was a bit younger. This is sort of one of those films I remember him because obviously he's great. Yeah. He's great in this movie. He is. He is. Okay. Well, let us let us move along and see what you can remember. I guess at this point. Okay. Yeah, let's fix on the plot for the listeners. Let's play down another custard card. Let's. Okay. So we were with our guys who were at the Pentagon there. They call in our Nicolas Cage, our good speed, because like you said, he is the chemical weapons guy. He is, you know, going to be the one to just bring it all home and save the day. But, you know, this is to the disappointment of Carla, because he's like, he's got to go away on this training exercise, is what he's told. Oh, I see. But is it a training exercise? <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's really not. <laughs> he's just trying to save her. He's trying to protect her, but all he's going to do is end up hurting her. Exactly. Exactly. That's it, you know. Don't lie, man. Don't lie about what you're doing. Oh, she's pregnant, isn't she? She is, Rob. I was going to say, that's one of our character's motivations, actually. Oh, good speed. You know, he just wants to be able to get home to Carla and his unborn child, you know, safe and sound. His character, he is classic desk guy, you know. He doesn't go out in the field and see any action. And all of a sudden, he's being pulled in, pulled into it by this craziness that's happening out on Alcatraz. So, yeah, so he goes along. He tells her not to worry, obviously, just a training exercise. And then we cut back to the Pentagon as they continue to debate options and then they're going to require someone someone who has a very particular knowledge of the rock oh hang on he's got a particular set of skills it's going to be um liam neeson <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> i forgot to mention yeah he's in it it's uh, it's one of his <laughs> early ones it's great they're quite the trio um, no, this character obviously now does turn out to be Sean Connery, Mr. Mason himself. And so this is where our little bit of Womack and Mason sort of um, friction kind of comes into play because Womack is arguing with his colleague on the dangers of bringing in Mason. You know, he can't have him roaming around. And so as he's talking to his colleague, we see sort of establishing shots of Sean of uh, of Mason and he's in a jail cell. He's currently like in cuffs and he's being dragged through the corridors and he's got long grey hair, just sort of, you know, really hammering home that he's just been chained up like an animal and sort of left to rot behind the the bureaucratic nonsense that is the American legal system. Ooh. And yeah, like I say, he's been he held without trial, you know. He's got a bit of a castaway uh, look going on here, hasn't he? Definitely got a castaway look going on. 
So he's talking to his uh, FBI guy friend. We could read this out together since you've seen this then, I guess. Oh, yeah, we could do that. Yeah. So this is basically the scene where he is, Womack is discussing with his FBI colleague about bringing in Mason. And one of the FBI guys is like, you know, I know someone who could. And then, you know, Womack gives him a little glance and he's like, mm, no, no way, buddy. <laughs> now on my watch. <laughs> okay. He's the FBI friend. He says, this is for the sake of national security. No, it's the sake of national security that got us here in the first place 33 years ago. I knew. I knew someday this would come back to bite us. Forget it. He does not exist. He does exist. We chose to forget him for 30 years. We locked him up and threw away the key. Oh, and a lot of goddamn good it did for us. He broke out of maximum security prisons. And if he hits the streets... He's not gonna hit the streets, Jim. 30 years ago, he was a highly trained SAS operative. He's my age now, for Christ's sake. I have to get up three times a night to take a piss. <laughs> we can't risk letting him out. We can't. Can we, Rob? Can we risk it? Well, I think... Yes, because you know this. <laughs> this you got to let him out of the cage, man. He's gonna. He's gonna be the. He's gonna be a reluctant hero. God damn it! Yes. So we get a sense there of you know Womack. He's equal parts angry and scared. You know by Mason. So that gives you a little bit of an insight, I guess, onto his character. And we heard that Mason was ex SAS. Yes. So he's a, oh, I mean, he's a bit of a beast, isn't he? And he's, he he's is. a tricky he bastard. He, Womack's not wrong to be suspicious of him because, obviously, he doesn't trust the American government. The American government doesn't trust him. So we've got to find mm. some thread of trust. That's right. And that's where Nicolas Cage, old good speed, comes in. Then we move along to Nicolas Cage. He's, yeah, had the discussion with Womack. He basically then is like, yep, gets told that it's not a training exercise. You know, this is the real deal, soldier. Time to get out from behind <laughs> your desk. And so he rolls off everything that he knows about the VX gas, as, as you touched on earlier. Yes, so the chemical weapon is this VX gas stuff. And that's the stuff that's eaten through people's suits, Rob. It's like really bright green as well. It's very menacing, doesn't it? It's a bit like an evil flubber. It, it is like an evil flubber. And it's also contained inside these glass spheres, which when strung together look o like oversized anal beads. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> they do. That's all I could think of when I was just like, what, what, a, what a weird design choice to have, you know. They could take them out there and they sort of clink, 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 yeah. clink, clink. Yeah, it's just like a bunch of Christmas baubles like together. It's meant to be this super highly unstable stuff, but it's just like put in the most convoluted, like stupid, um, precarious way. It's, it's so, going to be a toxic so Christmas this year. That's right. Those aren't Brussels sprouts, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they, they do give out a lot of gas, though. <laughs> that they do. Cut to a high energy scene of the... FBI mobile command and for some reason they've got a secret command area at the end of Pier 39 <laughs> and they move into position good speed he's getting briefed on the situation and then we get like a big sort of exposition uh, like kind of dump on old Mason there sort of you know runs through like he has no identity in America or Britain he doesn't exist dun, dun, dun. <laughs> they do the classic thing and they send in one of the FBI guys play the whole kind of good cop, bad cop thing. And he's basically, you know, talking to uh, to Mason here. 
And do, do you remember he he says something to him and then he, he does something? Do you remember what the FBI agent does? He's sort of, you know, at the end of his tether now. They've had a bit of a chat. It hasn't really worked out. So the FBI guy, he sort of says, he says something to him. Do you remember what happens there, Rob? I don't remember what he says, but does he does he sort of like lean in somehow and they're too far and he smacks the guy, the, Sean Connery smacks his head on the table or something. and He doesn't do that. Ah, oh, sorry. Damn it. He basically says, you're going to need to call a lot, you know, like here's a, here's a quarter and he like flicks a, a quarter at him and he's just like, yeah, you know, you're going to need to call your lawyer because you're going back to prison basically is what he sort of says to him. You know, the quarter is still there. It's been introduced. We sort of hold on it for a while. Oh, yes. It's I remember. He gets to the quarter and he, he drops it on the floor and he hits it with his chair to make it into right. a sharp object. That's exactly right. And so before he uses that object, they send in good speed and they kind of send him in as the good cop, I guess. And he sort of sits down with him. You know, he gets him a coffee or at least calls for a coffee. He agrees to get his... Uh, handcuffs kind of removed so he's trying to soften him up mason sort of sizing up good speed and then vice versa they find a little bit of commonality they have a bit of a chat they sort of roll off some sort of old greek parable kind of thing and uh sean connery's like oh so you're an educated man <laughs> uh kind of thing and so they have a bit of a rapport but you know they don't trust each other too much just yet mm. and so he essentially asks for a hotel old mason he wants a hotel you know, he'll he'll play ball and old Nick Cage, you know, uh, good speed. He puts down this sheet of paper and it's like, you know, hey, just sign that. Work with us, buddy. And you'll be a free man. Yeah, because he just wants a shit shower and a shave. That's right. And the feel of a shoot is also what he wants. A shoot. <laughs> a shoot. <laughs> some freshly, <laughs> some nice, nice cutlies, freshly cut cotton on my... I can't <laughs> forgotten the accent there. So, so, um, yes. I love to shove some, some cotton on my, my skin. That's a terrible accent. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> and so Mason's sceptical. And Goodspeed, he's above board agent. You know, he's a good boy, basically. And he gets him to sign it. And then Goodspeed heads back out behind the one-way mirror. And he's like, you know, hey, yeah, it's just great news. He's going to work with us. And then Womack, Womack does something. What does he do? What does he do with that, that bit of paper? Oh, he rips he it signed? up. That's right, he tears it up. And then old Stanley, you know, he's basically saying, you know, that's a legal document, sir. But uh, Womack's like, hey, kid, you know, you there's things going on that you don't know, right? So, uh, yeah, pipe down. Button it, Stanley, what's his face? And he's like, you know, uh, yeah, he's just, he just can't deal with uh, any, any um, Mason getting anything. He's like, no, he's not having it. And he just, he throws a hissy fit. Yes. And the thing what happened with the quarter was that Mason picked it up and then he used it basically like a sort of diamond cutter and basically drew around the one-way mirror and smashed through it. Oh, yeah, and he grabbed Womack, didn't he? He did. He's like, Womack, you son of a bitch. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> he does, doesn't he? And he doesn't he really, yeah, doesn't he hurt? Womack's screaming because he's like, he's so scared of him. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he does. That's a brilliant. He draws a big circle, doesn't he? Draws a big yeah, circle. Yeah, he draws a big circle and smashes, smashes through. through it. Womack, you shut up, bitch. Yeah, that's brilliant. <laughs> so now we move along to said hotel. He gets what he wanted with the hotel. 
Well, let's do a MacGuffin Magnus reveal. Let's reveal whose motivation would you like to reveal, sir? Uh, well, let's go back to the uh, guy Alcatraz, the the guy that's um, holding everyone hostage. Okay, all right. So the guy holding everyone hostage is known as Frank Hummel. So he is a military man, as you uh, alluded to earlier. And so his motivation in this movie, Rob, his motivation for doing what he's doing, he is doing it because he wants vindication for his fallen brothers. He wants to be sort of remembered in the sort of same vein as the founding fathers, right? So he's very like anti-establishment because he's been wronged by the establishment. And his whole thing is to, yeah, get vindication for his fallen brethren. And the reason why is because he's part of a elite unit, you see, that they were sent out to kind of do black ops, things that weren't above board. And in doing so, if anyone ever got caught, they were just uh, disposable, essentially. That's why at the beginning there, he was saying about um, he couldn't have done it before, but he can do it now. It's because it was his wife, Rob. His wife had died. And now that she's gone... He can finally sort of, you know, he has the focus, I guess, or, you know, he doesn't have anyone else to answer to. You know, he's got nothing else to lose at this point. So his uh, his motivation is to go forth and get the vindication for his fallen brothers. Right, okay. Yes. And this is the uh, the very scary Ed Harris, isn't it? It is the very scary Ed Harris, yes. He's, he's born to play this role, really, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, actually. Yeah, he's very good in this role. Yeah, he's, you know as we've seen in Westworld, uh, rest in peace. <laughs> a very stern character and yes. a very very scary man, very scary looking man. It's a bit like a snake. Yeah. He's a bit of a he's a colonel, right? Isn't he some sort of isn't he a colonel or something or a or something like that. He's quite high he got himself quite high up in the in the ranks, didn't he? Yeah, so I think he's a general. General, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, I see. So right, so it's all about making the uh the government saying like you know recognizing these people laying their life for their country and not just just being forgotten and dead in a ditch somewhere yeah exactly right so that's why he's basically doing this you know to get the attention of the the almost sort of shadow government you know that are uh, aware of the, the his you know team and, and like his unit that he was in kind of thing uh cuz you know he can't exactly go yeah, to, I don't know, the, the proper channels. The proper channels aren't going to work, you know. It needs to be something drastic. Yeah, and so, so he needs to make a statement to make them wake up and, and make the world see. And if it yes. means discrediting himself in the process, then he's willing to sacrifice himself. Exactly. Because of the position he was in before, he has knowledge of these things that, yeah, the American government have not gone on record for saying, like their secret operations of going into China, apparently. Uh, and he also is aware of a what he calls a slush fund that the Pentagon have. And it's basically money that they get from illegal arms deals. And he wants that money. He wants it uh, basically divvied up and used as like um, repatriations uh, for the families. Of the oh, fallen. I see. So he's robbing from the rich to give, to give to yes. the unjust, almost. So a bit of a chemical weapons Robin Hood. Yes, but with death and destruction and and, <laughs> yeah. and terror. Yes, lots of terror. Well, before we get on to the the death and destruction and terror, we find ourselves at the hotel. Rob, what happens there is something a bit more light hearted. 
Mason, he's now in the shower. You know, he's getting scrubbed up. They've also booked him in for a haircut, you see. And so he's in the shower. But weirdly enough, when he's in the shower, he's able to just reach out and pick up a phone. I mean, I know some <laughs> fancy hotels, you know, they kind of have things we don't have in normal normal life here. But for some reason, he has a phone, a full-on, you know, regular corded phone near the shower, which is kind of Oh, because it's a posh hotel, though, isn't it? He's got, like, the the posh suite, the, 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 the penthouse suite on the top, right? He's got a balcony and all sorts. Yes, essentially, yeah, that's correct. So he uses this phone to put in a call. Can you remember what he calls for? He calls for room service. That's right. So, yeah, he kind of orders a ridiculous amount of food. Yeah, shall I have a sheaf for a platter, please? That's right. Longestein and the Vanishon. <laughs> so he, he basically orders a comedic amount of food to the room. And so whilst that's kind of happening in the background... We end up meeting someone. Someone comes to the door. Can you remember who it is? Uh, it's, a, it's a hairdresser, right? It is. Well, it is the hairdresser. So the stylist, as he likes to call himself. Yeah. He's, I mean, they've gone for a stereotype here, haven't they, when it comes to a hairdresser, haven't they? They have gone for a stereotype, yes. So he's very much... He's very much a camp kind of character. Now, I've got a little line here that I was going to use to flip the script with, but we could read it out together again. Yeah, if let's like. do it. It's uh, fun to do. Let's do yeah. it. Yeah, all right. Okay. So essentially what's happening here is it's just another like reaffirming bit of Mason's character, I guess. So, hello. You the barber? No, stylist. Hmm. A barber. Cut to Womack sitting at a desk. Just clippers, no scissors. No scissors? You gotta be kidding me. No scissors? I mean, did it help a castle? No brush? With scissors, this man will kill you. <laughs> Whoa, steady on, Womack. And then, who pops his head in? Good old Sean Connery as Mason. <laughs> and he quips, I can't cut anyone's balls off with a trimmer now, can I? Why don't we do this outside and get some sun? <laughs> Can't uh, cut anyone's balls off with a trimmer. He's not wrong. He's not wrong, no. He's not. I mean, you know, wow. And the stylist is absolutely fuming, you know. What am I supposed to do? Yes. He remember, he looks at the guy, he's looking at his hair going, oh, my God, you, this is just unbelievable. You know, he's a mess. Yeah, they really ham up the idea that, yeah, we get it, he's very camp. <laughs> That's what movies were like back then. It was just stereotype, wasn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. Over the top as well. It's a Michael Bay. I mean, you know, it's just Michael Bay, isn't it? Is, it is. It is very Michael Bay, basically. Now he's got his hair cut and he's looking very dapper, isn't he? He's looking, he's looking great. He's looking like a million bucks old, uh, old Mason. They're out on the balcony and the agents uh, back in the hotel room, they're chowing down on all that comedic rim service that just came in. And, you know, Womack and Mason, they're out there. They're exchanging words. And Womack, uh, you know, is talking about um, you know, what he has in store for him after this is all over. And then Womack's like, yeah, you're going to have your life back. But then Mason asks, he asks, will he shake on it? Is what he asks. Nah. And then what happens, Rob? Ah, mm. so he had, he, he shakes his hand. As he shakes his hand, he hooks over a line. I think it's from the, is it from the telephone line or something like that? And he, because he's yep. ripped out the wall and he, he wraps it around like a lasso on the guy's wrist, tightens it up, and, and then brilliantly grabs Womack and puts him over the balcony and demands 
He demands some. I think he demands some stuff, and I can't remember exactly what. But he demands something, and Moai's like, "Oh my god!" Like that, and they can't hear him because all the people are eating their food, yeah. and they can't hear him shouting. And then he ties him to a chair, and he throws him over the balcony. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yes. It's the cord from the showers washing line thing, you know, like the little thing you get in hotels and you sort of pull out the the string from the wall so you can have like a clothesline. He's basically ah. got that, that cord. And yes, he wraps it around his arm as he goes to shake his hand, throws him over, and then good speed, he gets into speedy action, gets his gun out. He doesn't really know what to do, you know. He's got his gun pointing at Mason, but Mason's is cool. And then Mason, he bolts, he makes a run for it. And he blasts through the hotel, he runs to the left, and he scarpers out of there. And then, a chase ensues. Cue high-octane orchestral music. If um, if I remember rightly, when, when we see him running, he's sort of like, because he's quite, you know, he's in his 60s. So he's sort of <laughs> yeah. like, it's a it's a very Liam Neeson sort of in Taken 3, where he's just sort of trying to make look, and he's like fast editing to make him look like he's yes. running. He's literally just sort of almost walking really fast because he's, he can't actually run. It's essentially so. a staggered jog, is what it is. <laughs> yes, yeah. And he gets it, he, he steals a car, right? Does he? He steals a car? Yeah, he does. Can you remember what kind of car he steals? Oh, it's... um, It's action. It's it, America. <laughs> it's some sort of... Is it a yellow Ferrari or something? Oh, so Goodspeed steals a yellow Ferrari. Right. So, but our uh, Mason, can you remember what he gets? Oh, God. It's... um, oh, Is it a Lamborghini or something? Oh, it's better than that. It's beefier. It's bigger. It's manlier. Oh, it's, it's the a Hummer. Black Humvee. Hum- yes, yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Humvee, that's it. This is the first time we've ever seen a Humvee, right? This must be like, much. they must have said, we've got to get this in this movie so we can smash the shit out of San Francisco. Oh, and boy, do they. So, yes. <laughs> so we basically have a sort of GTA style chase that ensues. And essentially the cars, the police cars, they're all just cannon fodder. They're just getting <laughs> smashed, bashed, exploding around the hills of San Fran. It's very, it's um, very Blues Brothers uh, situation going on. Uh, it is <laughs> and there's like obviously the big hills so there's those classic shots of the car going a bit like Knight Rider going over like bang and, he's, and it, it, there's lots of shots I remember of, of Sean Connery looking over his shoulder going ah oh, dude he's still coming to bash and I can't shake him and he <laughs> and, I know that's right and I don't know how because I mean your line of sight is your horizon I mean it's so hilly in San Fran if you look behind you all you're looking at is the sky because <laughs> it's yeah. so vertical and then doesn't good speed like God damn it, it's supposed to be my day off or something like that. He's like <laughs> getting really annoyed. Goodspeed basically just says the classic line, you're going down to himself <laughs> whilst he's in the car as he's chasing him. Whilst Mason is driving along, you know, he's hit, they're hitting everything. He does a classic, like goes for a water cooler truck <laughs> and all the water cooler yeah. bottles go everywhere. Car after car just sort of backs into each other. And then it gets to the comedic point when then there's a little old lady crossing the road in like a comedic style. She's just like little old lady holding some flowers, staggering along with the Zimmer frame. And old Mason has to swerve out the way of her. And then we also then cut to another shot where he zooms past, just narrowly missing for some reason, like five guys in wheelchairs just crossing the road. <laughs> so it's just like every kind of crazy thing you could think of. And they're just so like, would... it's like Family Guy where they're like, quick, they got a chase on um, 54th Street. And they just run out with their cart with fruit and veg on it so they can get in the yes, way. Yes, exactly that. There's a bit with the, is it the tram car? <laughs> 
And there's the poor guy, the the guy who's operating it, and he's like, "Oh, Benny!" And he's like, causes his like his his tram car is like his life, and is pretty much his yes. girlfriend. And he's like, "Oh no, everyone, get off, get off! We're gonna crash!" He's like, "Oh no, here we go!" Kind of thing. Yes, that's exactly right. So Goodspeed is in his yellow sports car hunting down Mason. And then, yeah, Mason swerves around the little old lady. And then you're right. Cue the tram. And then it's kind of the token black guy of the movie because we're in that era. And it's just this classic sort of uh, c- comedic sketch-like um, guy who's just like, yeah, like, heavens to Betsy. You know, like, the tram's his baby. He's like, my baby. And um, this tram is just going all over the place, right? Just getting just completely derailed now at this point. Yeah. The people are rolling out. They're just falling out of the thing. He's holding on as if he's like a captain going down with his ship at, at this point. People, yeah, tumbling out. And then um, Goodspeed loses control and he hits a bunch of parking meters. Coins are flying everywhere. Oh, my God. Then, then the tram hits a car and it explodes in a massive fireball, launching the, launching the tram directly vertical with no one yeah. in it because it's basically just hollow and you can just see that there's nothing or no one inside in this massive fireball. And then old Goodspeed commandeers a dirt bike and then we sort of cut back to the tram briefly as we see the tram driver Oh, I can't remember what he says, but he says something along the lines like, you know, where's the dead man that did this? You know, kind of thing. Like, I'm going to kill him kind of thing. And I'm just like, mate, this whole thing went up in a fireball. But then we expect that you just sort of like get up and roll out of it like it's wacky races. And just, you know, he's like, gosh, darn it. It's Um, like, because I remember it's when they first start getting out there, they they sort of foreshadow the tram and he gets sort of going, Ding, ding, everyone. I hope you're having a great day. This is one hell of a day to be on a tram. Hope nothing bad (laughs) happens. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Nothing ever bad happens on this tram. No, and uh, like, he's like, you know, this is my life. Everyone's like, oh, don't feel sorry for the guy because this this is his livelihood. He loves his tram. He loves working with the people. Exactly. But, you know, today you've really pissed him off. Yeah, he was a guy. He's got all the badges on his vest. He's a very, like, you know, (laughs) fun guy full of flair. And uh, all it took was one... Good speed to ruin his day. One damn god Scottish guy. Um, well, it depends if you're in Red, Red October as well. Uh, he's uh, <laughs> he's Russian, but you'd never know it. Um, you definitely never know. No. So yeah, so he gets on a so he cra- he crashes the hell out because he commandeers the fryer, right? Doesn't he? he says FBI, yes. get out of the car like that. Mm, that's right. So and he gets he gets a frill. The fact he gets to do that. This is police business or something, and then. He jumps in and goes, and off he goes. And um, and he's like, uh, and then, yeah, so he crashes the hell out of that car, right? He completely smashes up the Ferrari. Oh, yeah, that's gone. That's totaled. But then, yeah, he commandeers a dirt bike, and then he gets on the phone back to the FBI lab, which is also kind of ridiculous. So earlier on when we first saw them interact with the package, like it comes up on the screen, FBI lab. I don't think the FBI have labs you know, I just don't think it's a thing. <laughs> so he gets on the phone to the lab where we get a guy in the chair scene. So it's his colleague back at the the FBI, quote, lab. And then they're doing the classic thing of like, I need you to, you know, basically run some information for me. And then we just get a lot of classic mid-90s kind of computer graphics as he's sort of like trying to hack through and find this uh, name and this number he's trying to match up. Because we saw that Mason was on the phone and he was calling someone. Do you remember who Mason might have been calling? Oh, it was, um, he was trying to call, oh, he's trying to find his daughter, right? 
That's right. So the thing that happens with Mason is yet yeah, he calls the operator and he's trying to find the address, I think, of his daughter. And he, you know, tracks that down. At the same time, we've got good speed on his motorbike, calling in the lab, also trying to cross-reference a last name on a database and an address. He manages to track her down, old Mason. And so we cut to Mason, soft music now playing. And he meets up with his daughter and we get a very pointless half-hearted story <laughs> of an estranged father and daughter th uh, scenario. And, you know, then we learn, you know, uh, Mason's motivation is to basically be free so he can reconcile this relationship with his daughter. Um, but then obviously, you know, what happens, Rob? What happens? He's there having this very half-hearted, pointless conversation with her. And she's very, extremely, very awkward. She doesn't really know him. He's like, sure, been such a shitty father, but, uh, you know. I've been in prison for the last 30 years. <laughs> and yeah. um, and then it's here that we can hear the sirens, right? We can. This is exactly right. We hear sirens in the background. And, you know, the inevitable fleet of FBI agents come in to apprehend Mason. And they come and speeding in, making work. skid marks on the grass of the university or where the hell she is. They, yeah, basically, they sort of like <laughs> trap them in, yeah, like a little uh, foyer courtyard thing. And yeah, it just is bizarre though. I don't understand why we bothered like to do that. You know, we could have just talked about his daughter off screen. Like we basically only see her this one time and they sort of put it in there, I guess, as his, you know, reason for wanting to be out. Not just, you know, being wrongly imprisoned for 30 years is crap enough. Bit of a strange side tangent there, but anyway. Um, so yeah, he gets picked up uh, by our guys and then they get him to work. Cue the war room scene where Mason directs a team on how to break into Alcatraz. But he can't really remember, can he, Rob? Oh, no. So, yeah, he doesn't have a, like, it's not like he wrote down a plan of how to get out. It's all in childish head. He can't really trace it out, but he'll know when he when he gets in there. And, of course, Womack, he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, we're not sending him in. That's too much of a liability. Essentially, he obviously has to give in because the team of Marines that he's sending in with him are like, well, yeah, of course he's coming with us. And then they bring in, who else do they obviously rope in, Rob? Who else is, he's just there giving his speech about, you know, this is what you're wanna, uh, gonna wanna do when you get up to the old nerve agent and all the, all the rest of it. Yeah, so he says, uh, he says, yeah, when you get there, you've got to disarm, you've got to take it out, make sure you don't drop it because it'll explode and you're all dead. They're like, well, you can tell us when you're coming because you're coming with us. And he's like, what the fuck? No way. I'm, <laughs> I'm just a, I'm just a lab rat. I'm not going in there. You're coming with us. God damn it. Good speed. We got no other choice. That's exactly right. So now Goodspeed, he's along for the ride. He's roped in. And, you know, he has a bit of a, you know, crisis moment where he's throwing up in the bathroom and one of the FBI guys is trying to pep talk him and he, like, lays down the bit about how, you know, he's got a, a girlfriend back at home that's pregnant and he just wants to make it back to her. So that's where, yeah, we get a full-on uh, little encapsulation of Goodspeed and what's at stake for him. And then we get back to, to old Ed Harris. We're back with Hummel. He's talking on the phone and he's hearing that there's a problem, Rob. He's hearing that there's a problem with the transfer of funds. It's not going to sit well. It's not going to no. sit well, is it? No. So he's going to have, he said, don't test my patience, goddammit. Pretty much, yeah. He's basically talking about how he doesn't want to hear problems. He only wants to hear solutions. And one of our military guys at the Pentagon, he sort of refers to this whole situation as a you know, he goes, well, you know how the president feels about dealing with terrorists kind of thing. And then this pisses Hummel off. Because you know what he says? 
He says, it's not terrorism, it's justice. <laughs> justice is just the beginning. That's exactly right. <laughs> so, yeah, so we can see that, you know, he means business. And uh, he is, obviously, like you say, he's, he's what I like to call the noble terrorist. Yes. He's got a point of view that even our good guys could probably kind of see eye to eye with, but he's just going around it in the wrong way. Like, obviously... You know, he's a well in, well-intentioned extremist. Yeah, so obviously the government just say, well, we haven't done anything wrong. You signed up for this. And he's like, no, we're more than just a pieces of meat, you pieces of shit. <laughs> That's it, mate. Well said. Well said. <laughs> I, I, you can lead me into Alcatraz, mate. If I'm on a phone, if I'm on all those wind-up phones and like Ed Harris is, I, I yeah. think I could come up with some good zingers to, to, make the, to make them understand that I mean business. Oh, I know you could. I know. I know you could. <laughs> and he's like, so he gives him, says, oh, you've got, uh, you got another. Well, he gives him, say, like you've got twelve hours or something like that, or whatever, to to come up with the funds, right? Yeah, pretty much fifteen hours, I, I believe. Yeah. So, cut to the mobilization of our main characters. You know, they're getting ready. And they're giving them the rundown, and we sort of get more crazy, high-energy action music, very much like Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, it's big scores. And we get the team commander, he's like laying down, you know, what's basically going to happen in the next hour of this film, essentially. This is the plan, we take him out, and then they mention the green flares. So, you know, once it's neutralized, you're going to have to use these green flares. And, you know, that's important, because that comes up later, you see. The guy, he's, like, he's riling our boys up, and he says... You should make no mistake, we're in the fight of our lives here, and we're up against maybe the greatest battalion commander in the Vietnam War. I shit you not. <laughs> you know, we've got Mason, but they've got Hummel. It's like, you know, top trumps, basically. <laughs> top trumps, yeah. It's a good drink. You probably could make a good drinking game out of this with all the zingers, couldn't you? Definitely. And so, do you remember what happens next, Rob? So, after that, uh, so they head, they head to Alcatraz, right? They do, that's exactly right. Uh, intro on the chopper we kind of you know see that good speed is kind of breaking down you know it's getting too much for him now he thought he could do it there's a bit of a talk about the atropine stuff again and essentially the way you have to administer this stuff is you've got to stab it into your heart you know like it's you know pulp fiction or something Jeez. mason's now looking up and down at good speed again and he's like you never went to any anti-terrorist school so try not to get us fucking killed. Is what it says to him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you can tell that you're no you're no FBI agent basically. And because yeah. also when he went to meet his daughter, I just remembered when he went to meet his daughter, uh, Stanley um, was he ended up seeing it and just holding back, and he could hear the conversation. So we saw That's that Mason right. is not the threat that the American government made him out to be. Almost like he was like. Yeah. Oh, he's a sweetie. He's got his daughter. <laughs> Isn't he lovely? Oh, he's, he makes a good granddad, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he does. Well, yeah, you can imagine sitting your kid on your grandkid on your knee and telling a little story uh, about how he killed people. But, um, yes. So, <laughs> yeah. And, the, yeah, so uh, Stanley's like, oh, my God. And it's like, you've never been anywhere, you shut up, bitch. And, That's uh, right. And he's like, you're just a piece of shit. And, uh, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're pathetic. You need a basically just a pep talk but also making him like look like a bit of a pathetic loser yes exactly at this point you're right we head into alcatraz they go under sea and they're kind of on these like aqua moped things 
Oh, yeah. And then they come like up through one of those cool, badass, sort of breaking the surface of the water scenes where they kind of rise out of what I think is like a drain hole, essentially. They're, they end up in the sewer system. And so they rise up out the water with their scoped weapons. And we kind of get an intense slow motion shot as they do so. <laughs> Just, you know really hammer home that they mean business yes we approach our first obstacle let's say um with entering the rock can you remember what it is Rob? it's oh they get there and is it some sort of there's something to do with is it a furnace or something like that that that's correct it's a (laughs) furnace wheel question mark because i'm just like it's just flames just like roaring in front of them and then as that's happening we've got sort of two kind of um uh, sort of gears moving sort of uh sort of concentrically like sort of opposite to each other and yeah and that's what it is but what it's there for i have no idea i don't know why there has to be these massive gears but essentially <laughs> we're now in like a giant version of the little rube goldberg machine thing that we saw at the start of the movie that he was playing with on his desk so it's kind of a weird little link there oh I guess. yeah this yeah. is now turning into a little game of mousetrap where it's kind of you know it's like the goonies you know you've got to move move with the um the booby traps yeah that's right and in timed it didn't he and he said oh, i know that's how right. much so um they're like i gotta go in there and uh i'll uh go around the other side and they're like no way no way you're not going anyway he's like well we could be my guest <laughs> go, go, go for well it. that's exactly right so for some bizarre reason he yeah he rolls in he's like you know i remember the timing you know and he does a proper action man and he rolls under and for some bizarre reason the guys are like well he's he's fucked us he's jumped ship and it's like but to where what he's done is broken into alcatraz what do you mean like literally he's just gone for two seconds and you think oh that's it it's all over yeah. but it's not though is it rob because then we hear the clanking and cluttering of a door that he's on the other side of, that he opens, and as it swings open, music plays, and he says, Welcome to the rock. <laughs> yes! <laughs> and he, and he, <laughs> he opens it like you've just said, Have you got any sugar? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the rock. And it's just, so, oh my God. If this wasn't Sean Connery, it just wouldn't work, would it? It wouldn't. He is definitely should have been doing more of this, you know. Like he obviously did Bond, and we got this out of him. But I and we got the um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which is a weird movie. But oh yeah, that is been, a strange one. Yeah, yeah. It would have been good to see him in more stuff like this because he is. He, yeah, he's made for it. He really is, good. isn't he? Yeah, definitely. I think he was just if he'd been around now, I think he would have been. Per, you know, you know, just or just been a little bit younger for sort of a lot of the films that have come out for these action Mm. things he would have you know has so many more roles definitely so now then we get inspiring action music sort of rises up as our team enter the bowels of the rock and the soldiers and everyone they're like dramatically wading through water as they make their way through the sewers then we get a little bit of Womack and the FBI guys and conveniently uh, in this time the they're able to stay in control of the situation thanks to the mini cams that they now have on their jackets apparently which is quite ahead of the time i guess yeah and so one of our soldiers goes to install a fiber optic device as he calls it but it basically just looks like a little led bulb that he sort of has on a stick can you remember what happens though he goes to raise this thing up for a grate he raises it oh yeah he goes to the grate and he looks around just it's like a um it's almost like an old shower room or something, isn't it? Yes. Like, doesn't he trip a sensor or something? 
Yeah, so basically he has a little fiber optic camera that he pops up through the top and essentially what he does is he interferes with the anti-motion trembler device, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Man, they have earthquakes there. What are they going to do? <laughs> well, it's basically something that one of the um, Hummel's men installed, but it just looks like a see-through ping-pong ball with like a um, bit of wire in it. So I don't know. But the soldier quipped about how it's like, you know, super high-tech, custom-made. Seismic meter or something. Yes. So they trip that off, which obviously sends Hummel and his men into action. So now they're aware. They're aware that they're there. They're there. And <laughs> they they make their way up through the grate and then Hummel and his men, they surround them. Do you remember this scene? Do you remember they surround them in the show? Oh yeah. Room? They're like they so they got the high ground. They're like they're like like I'm gonna give you one chance to get the fuck out of here and then um and there's they're like, We can't go anywhere, we gotta you know, and there's a big big um yeah, and they, they start shouting, he says, Right, you made your choice. And then they yes. start shooting the shit out of everything. That's right. So our commander, Commander Anderson, he's staring down. Oh, that's Hummel. it. Stand down. Stand down. Like that. Is that like that? That's it. Yeah. So basically it ends up in a massive shouting match. But then Commander Anderson, he says, sir, we know why you're out here. God knows I agree with you, sir. But like you, sir, <laughs> I swore <laughs> to defend this country against all enemies. Foreign, sir. And domestic. Oh yeah, so, that classic line. Yeah. Foreign and domestic. They're trying yeah. to, to to appeal to to him to say, look, I respect you, you're goddamn general, but uh, you're fucking crazy. Well, I mean, he does say that, Rob. He says, General, we spilled the same blood in the same mud. <laughs> you know goddamn well that I can't give that order. <laughs> so yes. So now we're at a, a proper standoff, and like you said, unfortunately. With them on the higher ground, them up on the mezzanine, they open fire, and it's just an absolute bloodbath. Oh my god. They this is what they should have watched Star Wars for God's sake. I mean, come on. Anakin, I've got the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> There's some survivors obviously out of this. And of course, it's Mason and Goodspeed. Oh, of course. And they're the, the yeah, and they're the people they don't, you know. They don't think they don't know they're there. So no, they they just yeah, it's a proper massacre, isn't it? And and old yes. Ed Harris stands with his back to it, going, "Oh, why, why did you have to, why did you have to disagree with me? But now you have to die." Pretty much, because what happens is some rocks randomly fall, and you know everyone's like trigger happy, and they're all on edge, and essentially that just acts as the catalyst that just sends the bullets flying. Ah, uh, yeah, the old itch, itchy trigger finger. Exactly. So now old Mason and Goodspeed are down in the sewer, and we cut back to Womack briefly. The Feds are basically saying, you know, that's the end of the mission. The Feds, they're fed up, Rob. And <laughs> Womack, though, actually, he is—he's kind of like, well. <laughs> Well, Mason's still alive, so Mason can get the job done. So he believes in Mason now all of a sudden. Yeah, well, he he believes in, I guess, you know, how lethal Mason is. You know, he just knows that he's such a slippery eel that, you know, this ain't going to keep him down. A little bit of massacring isn't going to keep him down, basically. <laughs> and so Mason's comms, they come online, and we've got the FBI, we've got one of the FBI agents, and Goodspeed are basically having a quick chat over the radio, and old Goodspeed's being a baby, banging on about how Mason's leaving him in the lurch because Mason's going to be like, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm, I've had enough, I'm leaving. Um, and so the Fed, though, he's getting pissed off and he's saying like to Goodspeed, you know, it's unacceptable, it's unacceptable, you got to stop him. 
Goodspeed says, there's a problem, sir. He's got a gun. And then the Fed, the Fed's like, what do you have, a fucking water pistol? And then Goodspeed's like, no, sir. He's like, well, go get him. So Goodspeed still has not found his balls yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's just still looking for his anal beads. Yeah, well, that's it. That's all he wants. He just wants to get them back safe and sound. Goodspeed, he follows old Mason, and we sort of see Hummel being a bit remorseful, you see, as to what has just befalled them. And because, like I say, he's seeing it more of a, yeah, you know, they were his brothers also, and he, he didn't want to be forced into this position. And then he tells old Womack down the mini cam, he looks in there and he sort of says, you've had to force uh, yes. my hand kind of you thing. You made so. me do this. This is your fault. Your men, they didn't have to die, but you did this. Yeah, I remember him mm. looking classic, looking down that fisheye lens. Yep. That's it. Mm, yes. yes. And, so, he goes, and he just and cuts the line off, and they're like, yeah. shit. End feed. Shit. End this, transmission. I guess we better take guy, this guy uh, seriously all of a sudden. Then. Why don't we just throw in minute 69 here and see what we get? Because it'd be interesting, even though I've seen it, I want to see what, what comes of minute 69. That would be cool. Okay, let's do it. Oh. Intense. Mad action music. Yeah. Fiber optics. Fiber optics. <gasps> so seen it. We've seen the, the sensors. He's got a bad feeling. Yeah, I was going to say the classic line. i got a bad feeling. Oh, tension. Oh, mm. They're moving something. It's very, it's very tense. It sounds creaking. Yeah. What's going on? Where, do you where do you think we are? Oh. The, oh, there's a beeping sound. Oh, it's going off. It's beeping quicker. Quiet. Oh. Oh, they're seeing it. There's something on the sensor. This, this is bad guys trying to find Stanley. Oh, it's sounding ominous. Oh, yeah. Oh, someone's jumped into the water. Motion sensors. Motion sensors. No. Motion Stop sensors. Stop moving. Just deal with it. <laughs> oh, it's tense. Commander, beam is hitting some sort of reflector. The beam oh. is hitting some sort of reflector, Rob. Oh my so god. That, if you remember, that is basically the scene where just before they all get massacred, they're underneath the sewers there, and he's popped up his little fiber optic thing. And I think he's yeah, he's obviously set off the the intrusion device. Oh yes. <laughs> the ping so pong the ball. thing that you can hear going tick 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 is his little cat his little camera thing, isn't it? His little Yeah. His little thing, his little worm camera thing. And uh, and then he, he accidentally knocks off. Then he goes, and then the guys are beep 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 beep. beep. Ah, we've got movement, and yep. then they rush. Yes, I remember now. Right, okay, all right. Well, let's uh, let's let's go for the side of bacon, shall we? Revealing the main character's side Kevin Bacon of number. Bacon. Okay, all right. Well, so um, well we'll go with Nicholas Cage then. So um, now he was in Drive Angry with Edric Brown, whoever that is that was in a movie called Super, which had Kevin Bacon. So that gives us a solid number of two. Awesome. What about Sean Connery? There must be... He can't have been in a film with Kevin Bacon, surely. Well, well, uh, not directly. So he obviously has... He has a Bacon number of two also. Oh. But Sean Connery's movie is Hunt for Red October that had Alec Baldwin that starred in She's Having a Baby... That had Kevin Bacon. He's it's unbelievable. It's brilliant. I know. Oh. It's mad that it all links back to Kevin Bacon. And I thought about this. I was like, what if I put 
Kevin Bacon to Kevin Bacon, will it explode if I put that in? Or does Kevin Bacon have a Kevin Bacon number of zero? Is that oh, possible? Is it? Would he? Would he? Yeah. Would he become a black hole of himself and 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 start destroying the universe? I don't think you should do that, Mark. It sounds scary. No. Yeah. It's it's probably for the best. I mean, mm. this it's an it's an Oppenheimer situation. You know, like, these things <laughs> could be done, but we shouldn't do them. You don't know? be the it could be yeah, the destroyer of worlds, Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I don't want to destroy anyone's world or bacon. <laughs> no, no. Equally Taking bacon important. out of the world, you... Oh, mate, people would be very angry with you. <laughs> oh, they would. They would indeed. They would. Both both kinds. The man and the meat. I mean, <laughs> although, you know, depending on who you speak to, I mean, he is a hunk of meat. Wow, look at that. <laughs> well, um, okay, so we're let's put some custard card down. Let's stick in this plot. Let's, uh, let's see. So there... So now it's just... Is it just literally the two of them left? Yes, so it's two of them left, and yeah, we they essentially have a bit of a standoff, right? You know, old Goodspeed's trying to rein in Mason. Mason's just like, yeah, I'm not having none of that. You're basically a worm, and um, and so they quickly move past that. He manages to get the gun off of Goodspeed, and now Goodspeed has no choice but to really just go with him, which then does bring us to the line, the famous <laughs> line. Goodspeed, he says he'll do his best, and. This is what follows, basically. Are you sure you're ready for this? I'll do my best. You're best. Losers always whine about their best, but the winners go home and fuck the prom queen. (laughs) (laughs) Carla was the prom queen. Really? Cock's gun. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, amazing. Uh, I'll never forget that line. It's just yeah. unbelievable. I mean, it's just then- out of nowhere as well. I think that's the <laughs> thing about it. It just comes out of nowhere like and and then, you know, and then we get a little bit of like, oh, okay, maybe there is an edge to old good speed, you know, because he did get the prom queen. It's like, ah, I'm stunning get through to you. Now he's like, uh, maybe uh Maybe it'll be, uh, you'll actually do, you know, you'll have some balls soon. Yes. So we'll let us move along and we'll see if he can be the man that Mason knows that he is. At this point, though, Hummel is, you know, he's privy to what's going on. So now they are pursuing down Goodspeed and Mason and they try to burn them out of the sewers and they drop these um, sort of like, I guess, grenades or like depth charges, basically. And then unbeknownst to Goodspeed and Mason, you know, this fireball starts to rush through the sewer system. And luckily, though, of course, they survive by sort of jumping and hiding underwater. But for the sake of plot, this took out the comms at the same time. So now they have no way of talking to old Womack and the feds. And Mason, his patience with uh, Goodspeed is wearing thin and it keeps pushing him about getting to the rockets. So now above ground, Goodspeed and Mason are out the sewer now and they encounter one of Hummel's men. And can you remember what happens in this scene? No, I can't. So he's got rockets ready to fire with the chemical weapons in towards the San Francisco, right? That's what he's got. That's correct, yes. So basically they've got the VX gas ready to go in rockets um, aimed for San Fran and they're now like a sort of, you know, PS2 um, role-playing game. Your mission is now to take out the the rockets. Right. So they encounter yeah. one of his guys. Um, so they must have a... Yeah. So who... Is it both of them? Do they bump into him and then they have a, they have a fist fight? Do they, Mason and um, this guy? Well, they have a fight, but it's not with fists. Mason grabs a combat knife and throws it directly through the air, landing in the throat of the soldier. <laughs> <laughs> 
he says something like, it's not your day, is it? Or something like that. <laughs> Another massive gun battle plays out. And Goodspeed and Mason are now just shooting around these rockets. And, you know, Goodspeed's freaking out. He's like, don't fire any of the rockets. Don't fire any oh, of the rockets. Oh, yeah, he's going mental, isn't he? Oh, my yeah. God. He's so nice. You know, will you chill out? And he's just, he's literally standing there, sort of, you know, trying to, a broken glass going everywhere, right? Basically, yeah. There's just stuff flying everywhere. And Mason obviously comes out victorious. And they manage to get to the rocket. And then we have a scene of old Goodspeed trying to, you know, disarm this rocket. And he's got the top off and he's pulling it out. And then we see, we see the green baubles. They're all hanging precariously. And he's trying to basically reach the guidance chip. So now it becomes about the guidance chips, Rob. Of course. We have uh, a little bit of dialogue that breaks down the, the gas and what it does. What exactly does the stuff do? If the rocket renders an aerosol, it could take out the entire serial people. Really? And what happens if you drop one? Happily, I'd just wipe out you and me. How? <laughs> it's a cholesterol trace inhibitor. Stops the brain from sending nerve messages down the spinal cord within 30 seconds. Any dermal exposure or any inhalation, and you'll know a twinge at the smaller your back a small of your back as poison seizes your nervous system. Don't move that. Your muscles freeze. You can't breathe. Your spasm so hard you break your own back and spit your guts out. But that's after your skin melts off. My God. <laughs> He's like, oh, and I think we'd like Gar on our side at that moment, don't you? <laughs> yeah, there you go, people. So that's it. So that's what it does. It basically stops the brain from sending messages and your yeah, essentially break your own back and your skin melts off. Lovely stuff. <laughs> thank wow. thank you, Mason, for being really, you know, the classic dumb witted like I'm just a I'm just a you know, a blunt instrument that knows how to kill people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't need brains for this, so uh, you know. Yeah. Oh my brains god. Brains get you nowhere. <laughs> He removes out the guidance chip. So the idea is that then these things will now, even if launched, will not be able to guide themselves. I mean, there's not really much, again, there's a bit of a plot hole there because it's just like, okay, you've taken out the guidance chip, but then surely that doesn't mean it's safe. It just means you're not going to be able to control where it goes. It sounds even worse, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We cut to Hummel and he realises that, you know, his men haven't really radioed back in some time and he's getting suspicious and he radios out we hear the crackling of the radio coming through one of the guys that Mason and Goodspeed have taken out. And then this causes Hummel to, uh, to not you know, take any risks. So he sends his men out, basically. And so at this point, though, Mason and Goodspeed, they have to go on the run, don't they, Rob? And they decide to jump down a laundry chute, I think is what it is. <laughs> I mean, that's what I could only imagine it was. But then they land in a cart. And they land in this cart, and it's like an old-timey gold prospector's cart, you see. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, it's very now, again, Goonies-esque. And they're making their way down this track whilst being chased oh, by Hummel's yes, men. I remember this. And they start shooting at them. That's exactly right. And so they start shooting at them. And there's all this dramatic, over-the-top action. They're smashing <laughs> into things. And, you know, there are lots of gunfire, crazy gunfire. And they're about to run out of road. And they almost fall over the edge if it wasn't for the conveniently placed length of safety rope that stops them. But then it sends good speed flying and Mason just dangling like an idiot. <laughs> we continue with more of an epic battle 
old mason. He's having a fist fight with one of the of Hummel's men, and he's looking like he's basically down and out. But thank God, Goodspeed digs deep, and he finds his inner FBI badass persona, and he finally makes a kill. So he finally what? Well, shuts shuts his eyes, goes bang, 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 or something. Pretty much. And so <laughs> Mason's like, you know, pleased that he didn't hesitate too long. He's a real boy now. Exactly. He says to Mason, he's like, how do you do it? Like, he's basically in shock. To which Mason says, oh, I was trained by the best. British intelligence. <laughs> it's James Bond. It's a James Bond reference. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, well, they are the best, obviously, British intelligence. We are now sort of on the home run stretch of, you know, it's now all about the guidance chips, essentially. So can you remember what happens from here on out? So, um, yeah, so one by one, his, um, they pick off the, the men, um, but they, they do get, I'm sure they get captured, don't they? They get, they, they get captured and they end up in the prison, uh, in the cells, and old uh, Stanley Goodspeed just like, oh my God, now's it, everyone's going to die, what the hell are we going to do? My wife, my goddamn girlfriend's pregnant, what the hell am I going to do? Oh my God, and starts us freaking out. And in the meantime, old uh, Mason is uh, is not, he's not panicked one bit. And he's got, no. he's ripping up the uh, mattress and the sheets and stuff, the strip sheets, striped sheets. Yeah. And he, he puts yeah. something together and, and finds a, a, a hook or something like that. And he's outside, mm-hmm. he's swinging it. He's swinging it. He's trying to hook it onto the thing to open up all the um, the lever that opens up the um, doors. And he keeps trying yeah. a few times, and Stanley's still going off on one. Rah, 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 and he's like, oh, bloody hell. I'm going to do it. At least I'm doing something about it. Grabs it. <laughs> and this is how he escaped originally. It must have been. Pulls it. Yes, well, you're correct. Yeah. All the, all the doors open, and Stanley's like, oh. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly what happens. And so the Stanley, though, in the meantime, whilst Mason is doing all this, you know, he's having a bit of a rant, and he says, uh, Goodspeed says, you went down the incinerator chute, on the mine cars, through the tunnel to the power plant, under the steam engine, that was really cool, by the way, (laughs) and into the cistern, through the intake pipe. But how, in the name of Zeus's butthole, did you get out of your cell? Is what he says. Oh, my God. Wow. The 90s, everybody. I I love the way they're like, hey, guys, we can't say ass. It's got to be butthole. You know, this is a family movie. Come on. Come on. Oh, dear. Well, that saying's never been said before, is it? Zeus's butthole. Zeus's butthole. Unbeknownst to them, something's happening back at base, back at headquarters. Yes, Can you remember? I do, I do. What and it's so they think those they think they're dead because the comms are down, nothing's happening, and they hear no, one of the rockets gets fired and they, they, they detect it's getting fired and they think then it luckily it lands in the sea or something. So they're like it's a failed thing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> luckily, again, it could have landed anywhere, <laughs> but it luckily lands in the sea. Yeah, so th- but they decide then that the only option left is to just just bomb the island, right? That's what they're planning. That's exactly right, Rob. And so, the, but they can't just bomb it with anything, Rob, because this is VX gas. And for some reason, uh, you know, it's really, it's just tough stuff. And, you know, napalm just won't do, right? Napalm's not going to take this out. It was good for Vietnam, but not this time. So what they need to do is they need to drop thermite plasma bombs <laughs> to vaporize the VX gas. It's the only way. Right. 
And so we, yes, now see that people are like, you know, the, the jets are scrambling into action to, you know, deliver said thermite bombs. So we're outside with Mason and Goodspeed. Mason is basically saying he's done. And he's saying that, you know, it's all a waste of time. Hummel's bluffing because he's like, I read it in his eyes when he captured him. They had a bit of a back and forth. And, you know, Goodspeed's like, what? You saw it in his eyes. We can't, like, rely on that misplaced sense of honour or whatever. And so at that point, though, we come back to Hummel. And things aren't going very good for Hummel at this point. He's sensing a mutiny in the room. Oh, yes. Do you remember I that? remember there's that one guy with the beady eyes. He's like... He's like, come on, we just got to do it. So they're not going to pay us. Let's just do it. And he's like, no, no. And they're like, God damn it. And so they're getting free. He's like, fuck you. And he's like, you know, I'm going to, um, let's just do it. And he's like, stand down, soldier, stand down. And there's, a, there's all, the, um, mm-hmm. they're basically just, yeah, they're all just imploding from the inside out. Um, and they have a bit of a fight about who's going to do it. And doesn't he, doesn't he kill one of them? Well, what happens is we end up with a standoff, essentially. So, like, Hummel's men are now completely disillusioned by the the cause, almost. Because, yeah, you know, Hummel's doing it for his own, um, you know, kind of to, like I say, vindicate his fallen brothers. But then it turns out that most of these guys he's got working for him, essentially, at this point, are mercenaries. And they're in it for the money. And the prospect of them getting this money now kind of seems to be out the window. And so Hummel's basically like, right, well, time to jump ship. You know, like, there is no money anymore. Like, this is not going to happen, essentially. And so we end up in a Mexican standoff. And Hummel, you know, he's not ready to kill these people. It turns out Mason was right. Hummel was bluffing. He just wanted to try and force the arm of the government, you know, but he's not really going to launch any of this stuff uh, to, like, serious effect. And then so Hummel tries to pull rank, but it's no use intense music starts to play we're in a mexican standoff and then they all start firing at each other rob and all of our main military men there they all go down in a blaze of glory they essentially all just commit suicide pretty weak send-off yeah i mean you know after all that i mean so he still had some morals in the end he was you know his uh, cause was just you know if you're going to hire mercenaries you're you're well you're going to get no mercy basically Shortly after separating ways, Goodspeed, of course, gets approached from behind with a gun to the back of his head. So, yeah, you know, Goodspeed, he uh, he still needs Mason. And so he tries to talk with the guy who's got the gun to his head, the, the Marine kind of guy. And he's trying to sort of talk him through, you know, the actual severity of what he's doing. Because he wants know. the guidance chips back, right? Yes, he wants the guidance chips. But then, of course, what happens... Mason comes up and saves the day. <laughs> so he knocks out the guy. For some reason, Mason's like, I didn't want your child growing up without a father. That's what he says <laughs> yeah. to him. Common ground. Exactly. We then get a big monologue from who is meant to be the president of the United States. And we sort of got a very dramatic scene building as they're sending out the fighter jets. And he sort of talks about ignored and abandoned and marginalized great soldiers like Frank Hummel and the American boys uh, paid the price uh, for that and stuff. But then he ultimately sort of says that we're still fighting terror. He gives the approval for the airstrike. And so at this point, we've got jets moving in with thermite bombs as Goodspeed and Mason are on the ground trying to finish the mission. And so Goodspeed, he um, manages to get out of Hummel where the last rocket is. And it's in the lighthouse, Rob. Oh, yes, it's in the lighthouse. I remember. 
Yes. Yes. And also, isn't, so it's in the isn't Carla, the missus, she's in the control room at the moment. So she, she knows. She got picked up by the FBI, yeah. yeah. So she's at the control room. So she's sort of aware of some stuff. So he's not at a conference or something? And he's like, no, he's going to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your boyfriend's dead. He's honey. at the conference of death, you moron. And she's like, no, you can't do this. He's the keynote speaker in hell. <laughs> yes, forever. So then they go to the lighthouse where the last rocket is, right? That's where it is, isn't it? Yes. He's again doing his very tense dismantling of one of the rockets. Oh, yes. Trying to get said So like clink, 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 as the, uh, the beads of death rise from the rocket. That's the sound of death, basically. And, yeah, one of the, you were right, Rob, one of the green balls uh, sort of drops to the ground and he sort of has to run and grab it and he saves it just in time. But then he sort of puts it in his pocket, which I just thought is not a very safe place. <laughs> no, after all he's, this. all he's banging on about how deathly this is, and he puts it in his goddamn pocket. But then, of course, some of the Marines that are still alive, they want those goddamn guidance chips. Now take chase. And poor old Goodspeed finds himself in a familiar place and he's he's on the run from the Marines. He ends up at the lighthouse and there's a little bit where he's sort of ducking and diving from one of the the guys chasing him. Goodspeed says to this Marine, Listen, I think we got started on the wrong foot. Stan Goodspeed, FBI. Uh, he's like, let's talk music. D- do you like Elton John? Uh, Rocket Man? And then the guy says, I don't like soft ass shit. And Goodspeed says, oh, Oh, you, oh, oh, well, uh, I only bring it up because uh, it's you. You're the rocket man. And then he, like, hits the rocket and, like, launches this Marine out the window, sending him flying, <laughs> and he lands on a spike below, oh, getting him yes, paled. He gets him paled, yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot about that bit. Yeah. Yeah. Rocket man. I mean, that's, t- I mean, wow, what dialogue. Do you like Elton John? You know, Rocket Man? And he, sh- he didn't <laughs> work out what was going to happen. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, nice, um, nice story. Hang on a minute. There, what? We've got rockets here? No one told me. So then we get to frantic action cutting back between um, Goodspeed and Mason. They sort of become slightly separated and they're sort of both making their way through the last of these Marines. And then Goodspeed, he's run out of road and he attempts to hide from the beady-eyed Marine. Yeah, and that he guy. throws a chip as a distraction. And a seagull comes down and goes, yum, 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 yum. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, guidance chips, and then he and then it crash lands in the sea. This this seagull. Yeah, so they, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I got no guidance. <laughs> that would be brilliant. I mean, that would be amazing. Uh, sorry, carry on. He throws this chip as a distraction, and good speed. He starts trying to take out this marine, and it's going pretty good. He's sort of like really handing his ass to him, but then at the end of the day, he's still fighting a marine. So you know, he obviously doesn't win and he's being choked out he's being choked out Robin what does he do oh, what does old good speed he do he puts his hand in his pocket grabs the ball of death and shoves it in the guy's mouth and chops it down and the, and then the guy's like and he goes he's like and he starts shaking violently because his nervous system's shutting down and he's basically breaking his back by shaking so much and then poor the gas gets released and poor old Stanley's like I can't breathe, I can't breathe, god damn it. And then basically grabs the um, atrophy thing and he's like, oh my god. Stabs himself in the chest with this needle, right, to save himself. Yeah. And then, do the comms come back in or something? And he's like, 
they they realize isn't this where he realizes that the plane's coming in so this is where we get a sort of um we hear the radio chatter of like the impending thermite bombs and now like you say he's now laying on the floor exhausted exasperated and he has a little flash um sort of like uh Little like, well, not flash forward, what I'm trying to say, like flashback, duh. Uh, he's having a flashback <laughs> style scene in his head where he's like hearing the commando. He's like, once the threat's neutralized, neutralized, get the green flares, 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 flares. And he's like, got to get these green flares. And he's all just like hobbling out and he's trying to get to the, somewhere on the outside so he can like get to a clearing, essentially. And we get the tension is building. The fighter jets are up, the thermal plasma. They're getting near the target. <laughs> good speed limping outside he drops to his knees crucifixion <laughs> style and then lights the flares and he's just like you know waving them. It's all one kind in of each dramatic. hand and he's just slow motion he's like oh do we do his knees hit the floor yes yeah and he waves them in the air like <laughs> yeah this is michael bade it's like don't do it, it don't drop the bombs and then the, the, the fighter pilot flies along and he could see goes i could green smoke green smoke <laughs> yeah it's green smoke abort abort green smoke <laughs> but but then dramatically our pilot pulls up but does he does he pull up in time kind of no he still <laughs> drops the bomb but it's okay because it landed on the other side of the island though i'm like it's not a massive island if it's a thermite plasma bomb surely it's gonna like evaporate most things but apparently it's fine uh it was on the other side nothing to see there apparently <laughs> just so, tourists so at this yeah just the tourists exactly and so at this point though there's a bit of drama because they're like oh no the bomb landed and Carla, she's back at the base. She's like, you know, all like distraught and devastated. But then Goodspeed, he gets blown into the water basically <laughs> by the, the shock. So it was enough to blow him into the water. So, it, you know, it must do some damage. And what happens next, Rob? Oh, he gets, doesn't he get dragged from the water? He does by who oh, though? Oh, it's... It's it's the prom queen. I mean, no, it's the... <laughs> it's Mason. That's right, it's Mason. <laughs> Sexy panpipe music begins to play. <laughs> this flute panpipe music starts playing, and he swan dives in and pulls old Goodspeed out and drags him to shore. And they happen to find a radio that just um, is working. They're sort of sitting around now, and a radio crackles into life. And Womack and the guys put out a call, and Goodspeed responds, and everyone cheers, and Carla's relieved. <laughs> But then Womack, you know, he's like, what happened to Mason? Where's Mason? Oh, yes. What does Goodspeed tell him? He says he was vaporized. That's right. He says he's dead. He's gone. He's been vaporized. Because at this point, old Goodspeed, he tells Mason that Womack tore up his pardon. And, you know, hey, man, you're good by me to get the hell out of here. He's like, get back to the hotel. Take my clothes. There's 200 bucks in the Bible. Make yourself a new life, essentially. Good speed, says to Mason. But then Mason, he doesn't want to leave that quick. You know, he wants to be able to return the favor of good fortune. And he tells Goodspeed that if he fancies a vacation to catch, uh, to, he says if he fancy a vacation, um, that he should check out Fort Walton in Kansas. And Goodspeed's like, well, I was kind of thinking of Maui. And then Mason hands Goodspeed a note telling him to forget Maui. <laughs> and he walks off. And soft, ethereal music plays. 
Can you remember what the note is? Oh, it's an address, right? That's right. They go to a chapel or something, and they get ma- they got married. Him and his missus got married, and uh, she's still isn't she still pregnant or something? She is. Yeah, yeah. That's they right. They get married, and they they he runs out of the church, the chapel, and he jumps into the car, and uh, they they're like, doesn't he say something like? Ah, oh, do you ever want to find out who really shot JFK? Because he... <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what he says. <laughs> yeah. So before we get to the chapel, so Goodspeed reads out the note aloud. And yes, you're right. It's an address of a church in Fort Walton. The camera now holding on a close-up of Goodspeed whilst we can see Mason in the background being framed by this sort of derelict building window. And Mason looks back like some sort of oracle. The ethereal music's playing. He's standing there. Goodspeed asks, is this what I think it is? And he looks up and Mason is gone. He's like, he's just gone like some mythical (laughs) oracle has just disappeared. Um, But then, yeah, you're right. We have a brief scene where Womack and the boys turn up and yeah, they're basically like, where the hell's, you know, where's, where's Mason? And that's when he's like, yeah. He's been vaporized, and Womack's kind of like, a, a body can do that? And Goodspeed is like, absolutely, sir. Um, and so, yes, you're right, though. We cut to um, Carla and him. Carla's pregnant, waiting in the car. And, yeah, he goes into this small St. Michael's church, and he's like, front pew, right leg, front pew, right leg. And then, yes, he finds something in there. He has to scarper out there because he's been chased down. He jumps back into the car with Carla. And then you're right. He says, basically, uh, honey, you want to know who really killed JFK? <laughs> As, like, upbeat music starts to play. And they ride off into the sunset. <laughs> what an ending. I, what an ending indeed. He's like, ah. Oh. Yes, because he opens up the microfilm. He's looking in and going, ah, oh, you went over and see who really killed JFK. Oh, my God. We've got Sean Connery as James Bond. And he's sort of alluding to that because he could technically still be James Bond <laughs> in the future because he's older. And then we've got basically Nicolas Cage in what now seems like it must be the start of National Treasure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Wow, the prequel. <laughs> Unbelievable. The prequel. The, it's the right. prequel and the, the sort of sequel at the same time. It's, it's like the guy yeah. going in different directions in a timeline. Yes, yeah. So they're essentially they could be the same characters. Like Connery could still be Bond and, he, and Goodspeed could still be... The um yeah the national treasure guy <laughs> so wow interesting. I mean what a it's the missing link what a movie I mean even looking back now when you watch it especially being you know when I grew up in the really in the nineties you know I had uh, when I yeah. was sort of like you know I was ten in ninety three so the what what year was this yeah. this is like. This one, actually, is a good point. I need to double check the year, the rack. Oh, it's 96. So it's 1996. Yeah. So, um, mid 90s. So, 96. So I was, yeah, I was, uh, 13. This came out. Yeah. Um, so this is the, you know, that sort of film then, you know, it was classic action then. And it had, it had everything in it. You know, it's got the one liners, which he always used to have. It's got the action, the crazy action. And, it's just very over the top American, isn't it? I mean, it's Michael Bay, but it, it is. It's, it's just a bit of a yeah. nothing, you know, film. You don't, we obviously can't take this for seriously at all. There's no sort of, you know, this is classic Cage in the uh, Nicholas Cage in in the nineties, where he's just doing ridiculous um, action movies where everyone just put loads of money into it, and it didn't really need to yeah. make any sense whatsoever. It was just a 
No, fun it's romp. a very much male-centric movie, right? I mean, other than Carla, I think she's the only female in this entire film. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. And, and the daughter, right? Yes. And they're both sidelined characters. Yeah. Like, this is proper just testosterone craziness um and like you say the the classic stereotypes of you know i've got a bad feeling about this one uh, we've heard that line and like um and old uh when he's doing the, the speed chase in the porsche you know he's like you're going down <laughs> it's just yeah, there's um classic. there's another um another uh great bit in this film um which has got uh mason and general hummel um do yeah. you want to go? Do you want to just do this because this is? I think this is quite a good, uh, good exchange between the two. Yeah. Did they bother to tell you who I am and why I'm doing this, or are they just using you like they do everyone else? All I know is that you were a big in Vietnam. You saw the highlights on television. Then you probably have no idea what it means to lead some of the finest men and gods out into combat, and then watch their memories get their memories get betrayed by their own fucking government. I don't quite see how you cherish the memory of the dead by killing another million. And this is not combat. It's an act of lunacy, General Sir. Personally, I think you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> the Tree of Liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Thomas Jefferson. Patriotism is a virtue of the vicious, according to Oscar Wilde. And he hit Homo hits, hits him across the force of his knees. Thank you for making my point. <laughs> I love I love the line where he's like, General Sher, personally, yeah. I think you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> it is, yeah. And this is not combat. It's an act of lunacy. <laughs> this is brilliant. Well, so, yeah, it is good. I mean, like I say, this, you know, like you say, it's just, you know, blokes just want to destroy and fuck everything. And, uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, some good action. And the bit where the plane accidentally lets go of one of the, the missile, the bombs, and he mm-hmm. goes, oh, shit, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> and then he, he, you hear see an aerial shot, nose points yeah, straight to the like sky, up. Yeah. and it's like a massive explosion mm-hmm. underneath him, and the plane just sort of spins and goes into the, the sky, this dramatic explosion beneath, and poor old Stanley's just like, gets thrown into the sea. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know, and again, I love the way that, yeah, they sort of do the crucifixion scene where he's just yeah. on his knees, like his arms oh, spread, flaring. God. And it's the plane hand. just goes over him. It's just like flies through the cross as he crosses the flares. Yeah. And it's- There's also a scene where I think it's just after he gets out the Porsche uh, in the in the Humvee Porsche chase scene, and they have a bad boy's um, camera pan angle. It kind of sort of pans up and around kind of thing. <laughs> so I think he gets out the Porsche, and it sort of starts down in one corner, sort of pans and sweeps across him, like in that classic oh, sort of God. like bad boy's oh. move. Um, but yeah, I think this is so Jerry Buckheimer, I think, is one of the producers yeah. on this as well, who did the Pirates of the Caribbean mm. and I think maybe did Bad Boys or had some yeah, involvement in Bad I think Boys. Ca- so it, it translates a yeah, lot. Yeah, Michael Bay was involved yeah. with Bad Boys, wasn't he? He did he directed that as well, didn't he? Right. Uh, okay. Yes. So there's a lot of hallmark things of those that, yeah. all that style. And and do you through. know I looked up with the music with the music, Hans Zimmer was involved in doing the music for this. Ah. Of course, of he, course. And Nick, and there's, so <laughs> it was Nick, Glennie Smith, and Hans Zimmer were the principal composers. Mm, well, there you go. That speaks speaks definitely because yeah. of yeah, it's such big, recognizable scores. Yeah, definitely. You know, you can tell, you can hear the Hans Zimmer ness of it. So, I mean, yeah. So, if you want an easy looking, you know, a retro film that really just literally is just a romp through 
nothing but explosions and one-liners and general just cockfighting, then this is the movie for yep. you. And it is. It's not tasteful in any way, but it's still an enjoyable romp. So um, have you seen it before, have you, Mark? No, no, this is oh, the first time I've seen I see. it. So I was like, oh, uh, it does look like a gem. And I just <laughs> thought, um, yeah, it could be a laugh. Good old Nick Cage again. And it definitely felt a similar um, style of film to what, like True Lies and that yes, kind of thing, right? Yeah. Just like terrorist, government organization, take down bad guy. Yeah, it's very kind of oh, um, yeah. formulaic like that, but still enjoy it. Oh, definitely. You know, and it was a bit of a sound ending for old General Hummel, though, really. He 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 had yeah. his he had his reasons, but those reasons basically weren't good enough to stay alive. Yeah, of course not. Of course not. Not when you're trying to carry out an act of lunacy. Uh, yeah, so. I blame his wife for dying because she had to die. He wouldn't have done it. Well, yeah, a plot twist would have been her coming back and going, oh, "I wasn't really dead." Oh no, no, he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah could have saved us all, Barbara. Yeah, bloody hell, Babs, what you been doing? I was in you know, Al Capogo just having a bit of a fun time with me girls, and he thought I was dead. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. See, this is what happens before the days of instant messaging. You know, could send anyone over the a edge. Classic misunderstanding. Yeah, that's what it all really boils down mm, to. Definitely. Well, yes, I guess that leaves us with, uh, you know, without further ado to uh, wrap up and say thank you once again for joining us. And, um, yeah, I look forward to seeing what you come up with. One thing before we end tonight's episode is we have a new email address for this podcast. And so I wanted to um, wanted to just, I wanted to sort of, yeah, tell everyone about it. So if you want to have any suggestions for movies, you could send an email to pod avclub69 at gmail.com so that's pod p-o-d avclub69 at gmail.com send us your suggestions um well send us whatever you like really you think there's a movie we should watch whether it's obscure um whether it's just one you think we should yep. go through and watch and experience with you then we're more you know we'll take any suggestions in that regard and also um it's pod avclub69 on instagram as well if you want to find us um, so yeah, so uh, I just wanted to tell everyone that. Yeah, right? no, good. Uh, yeah, definitely send in anything you like. The weirder, the better. Yeah, the, yeah. old or new. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Hope you enjoyed tonight's episode. Thank you for that, Mark. Um, next week will be me watching a movie and Mark discovering it as if it was new. Yes, taking on the challenge. I look forward to it. Until next time. Well, see you later. Welcome to the Rock. <laughs>